You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this live edition of the show, we're going to be looking back at Arsenal's 4-1 pre-season friendly victory over Watford at London Colney. Now, we told you, didn't we, a few days ago that Arsenal were due to play Watford on Wednesday. I did wonder uh, a little bit about Watford's situation. Of course, they were due to play Stevenage on Tuesday night. And I did wonder how that was going to work in terms of getting that uh, fixture fulfilled. But it seems uh, that it was the case. The information was right. Uh, Arsenal did take on Watford behind closed doors. And of course, the game was streamed uh, later on on the Arsenal website. Uh, for those of you wanting to, uh, to be able to kind of sit and watch it back and enjoy it. And as I say on this episode... We're going to be uh, touching on that game. We're going to be taking some talking points from that game. We're going to be discussing a number of individuals. And towards the back end of the show, we're going to take some of you guys' questions and thoughts uh, on the game, on transfer rumours, on anything you like. Um, I'm not going to bring you transfer news during this show or the latest transfer reports because we're going to be dedicating the second podcast, the second live stream that we do today, which will be at 4.15pm UK time. Uh, we're going to be dedicating that one to transfers. And that will, of course, be out on podcast format or in podcast format, I should say, uh, shortly after its conclusion. So around about 5.15, you'll be able to get that on all the major podcast stores as well. So Arsenal 4-1 winners, uh, comprehensive victory over Watford. But there are some talking points to take away from this one, for sure. Uh, let's start off with uh, Eddie and Ketia. Now, of course, Eddie and Ketia opened the scoring for Arsenal on 15 minutes. He received the ball in a wide left position, did brilliantly to cut inside and pull off a really, really impressive finish. It was kind of like a curler into the far corner, but it also had that bit of venom in it as well. He got a really good connection on the ball there, Eddie Nketiah. And he's, you know, he's making a claim for a place at least in the squad. You know, we talked a lot about following Balogun, the fact that he's signed a new contract, the fact that many Arsenal fans want to see him, <clears throat> excuse me, given an opportunity. And in the eyes of many of us, that would be at the expense of Eddie Nketiah. Now, we know Nketiah's contract situation is not ideal at the moment. Arsenal have put a new contract offer on the table. The player at the moment, from what we're being told, unwilling to sign that because he wants guarantees about his future. And look, understandably so, Eddie Nketiah is at a point in his career where he has to be playing regular football. And I actually think he'd probably benefit from, if not a permanent transfer away, then definitely a loan move. He needs regular game time. And I'm just not sure he's going to get enough of that at Arsenal this season to really kick on in terms of his development. But it was an outstanding finish from Eddie Nketiah. It was a wonderful pass actually played out to him by Willian, who's pulled out a couple of absolute, you know, beauties in this preseason so far. And I know it's only preseason and we shouldn't get carried away. And I know there was all that talk about Willian before uh, looking out of shape, etc., etc. But, um, you know, Willian did really, really well there to pick out that pass. And, you know, 
before we go back to Enketia, just just quickly on Willian, I wouldn't be surprised if well, look. Actually, I'm not even going to say I wouldn't be surprised. Willian cannot possibly have as bad a season this season coming as he did last season. I thought he was dreadful. He started the campaign really well with a really, really good performance at Fulham. And everybody thought, yeah, you know what? That is a cracking bit of business. But it didn't really work out. He never really uh, managed to continue in similar vein. And by the end of the season, I think most of us were sick and tired of him and fed up of him. It is no secret that Arsenal have been trying to move Willian on this summer. Uh, there's been talk of him joining the MLS. There's been talk of him uh, potentially going out to the Middle East as well. But his wages are a problem. Willian is on a really hefty contract at Arsenal Football Club. And there are very few clubs in world football who can afford, let alone want to, uh, give him that kind of money now. And that's why we're essentially a little bit stuck with him. But listen, we know that throughout his career, he's been a very, very good player. He's been very effective. He's produced moments for the clubs that he's been at and was very impressive, I thought, during his time at Chelsea. And so for that reason, William being in the squad, if you can get more out of him than you did last season, is not the end of the world. I just don't want to see him starting every week. That's my, my big thing. But Really, really good ball from Willian out to Enketia. And as John Daly's described it in the chat, um, it was it was Aubameyang-esque, wasn't it? Picking the ball up in a sort of wide left position, drifting in field, and then producing a really, really excellent finish uh, into the far corner. Now, I've kind of been thinking about this overnight because I watched the game yesterday, um, but I didn't get to do a podcast immediately after it. So actually, that's not a bad thing because I've had time to kind of mull over a few things in my mind. And going into the new season, we're going to be bringing you the match reaction podcast, which will come on the same uh, the same day as the match. And then we're going to be bringing you the tactical review of the game, which will be a little bit more in depth with a little less emotion, and it will be focused on the tactical side of the game from both sides. Um, so really looking forward to doing that. We were bringing those to you towards the back end of last season, and we were getting a lot of really uh, great feedback um, from those shows. So we'll definitely be continuing that. But because we didn't do the reaction yesterday, I've had the time, as I say, to mull over a few things. And one of the things I kind of thought about and maybe came to the conclusion is that for Eddie and Ketia to get game time and for Eddie and Ketia to be considered regularly. And I'm not, that doesn't mean he's going to play every single game. It doesn't mean he's going to start every single game, but for him to be in Mikel Arteta's thoughts, I think he does need to adapt a little bit. And I think the same will be said for following Balogun. Now, when I say adapt, what I mean by that is they need to become a little bit more comfortable in playing slightly from the left because it's clear that Mikel Arteta doesn't trust Eddie Nketiah to lead the line. It's clear that Aubameyang and Lacazette are ahead of him in the pecking order in that central position. So they're more likely to get opportunities playing from the slightly to the left-hand side. Now, I know that position is probably going to be taken up by Saka or Pepe and Martinelli's in there with a shout as well. But I think what's important to Mikel Arteta with these guys is that they do show a willingness and an, an ability to play either slightly from the right, either slightly from the left, or as a kind of second striker when Arsenal have the ball, 
but then be able to tuck into those wide positions and do their defensive duty when Arsenal are without the ball. I think that's massive. I think it's something that Eddie Nketiah probably needs to work on a little bit. Um, and I think it's something that that following Balogun will have to do a little bit more of because from what I know of him playing in the under-23s, he didn't do that all that often. Um, again, admittedly, I didn't watch him much in the under-23s, but from what I understand, he's a central striker, as is Eddie Nketiah by trade, but they're going to have to be a little bit more flexible in that sense, in my opinion. Then, of course, Watford equalised uh, just after the half-hour mark, um, and it came from a mix-up in the Arsenal defence. And look, during pre-season, we've seen a few of these now, haven't we? The kind of errors that plagued Arsenal's season last time out, the kind of errors that proved costly, that lead to goals, conceded, and the kind of errors that, to a degree, you can't really hold the manager accountable for. We know the way that Mikel wants to play. We understand what it is he's trying to do. But at times, we've just not had the quality to be able to carry that out and to do it effectively. And I think we we saw that again yesterday. Now, I know it's only a preseason friendly. And again, you gotta you got to remember that when discussing all of this. And I heard somebody describe yesterday, I think it was on the Arsenal Vision podcast, that this is a time pre-season where you almost have to have kind of disposable opinions, I think was the, the term he used, where you can have an opinion, but also be willing to put it in the bin because it's based purely on pre-season. Um, so that's important, isn't it? But, you know, Arsenal playing the ball out from the back. Um, the ball went back to Bern Leno, who I, I actually don't think done a lot wrong there. Uh, he does play the ball into Mohamed Elneny. And I think having watched it back a couple of times, Elneny's got the opportunity when he first receives the ball to clear it maybe with his left foot down the line or play it back into a wide area. And instead he kind of thinks about sh sort of shifting back inside and he gets dispossessed and Watford go on to score. And this is the issue because we're asking midfielders at the moment, midfielders who are simply not good enough in those kind of areas, who are perhaps lacking a little bit in terms of their decision making in those kind of areas to do something that they're just not comfortable in doing whatsoever. And this is where the philosophy is clashing with the players a little bit. And I understand that you've got a way you want to play. And I think you have to you have to have a philosophy and I think you have to try and apply that philosophy at every opportunity, but there will be times where it's just not the right thing to do. And so while I I put the blame on this one on Mohamed Elneny, because I don't understand why he tried to turn back inside or why he hesitated and didn't just get rid of it. But also for me in that situation, Bern Leno has to be a bit more, he has to just put what the manager's saying to one side and do what he thinks is the right thing. And I always go back to this quote that Jens Lehmann um, brought to the table once. And he was talking about Arsenal wanting to play out from the back. And he was talking about how Arsene Wenger wanted them to play out from the back when, when he was with the club. But there would be situations, there would be moments, there would be times where the player would have to make his own decision and, um, you know, and, and just play the game rather than let the game play him. And I think that in that situation, Bern Leno probably should clear it. He doesn't. He does what the manager asks, which is to play the ball in between the, the pressing sort of attackers and try and work Arsenal's way out. But it ends up in a goal. And listen, in the Premier League, you're not going to get away with that. You're simply not going to get away with that. And 
while I'm not kind of going into meltdown over the fact that we conceded a goal against Watford in a preseason friendly behind closed doors, I think that it's something that we saw so frequently last season. And I'm just hoping that we become a little bit more streetwise in that sense as we um, as we go into the new campaign, because it's hard enough in the Premier League to not concede goals, let alone gift people goals. And that was one of Arsenal's big, big issues. Although as a defensive unit, we were improved in terms of the goals conceded, in terms of, I thought, how we looked when we came even up against some of the big teams. But you can't be gifting people stuff. And and that's my one little concern from preseason so far, is that we've seen that happen on numerous occasions, that we've gifted people goals, whether it be from a set piece or whether it be from doing something like that. There's a plane or a helicopter flying over me right now, and it's really loud. Apologise if that's coming through uh, to you guys. Moving on to the second half, and Arsenal took the lead again, courtesy of an Alexander Lacazette penalty. Now, I read somewhere that Alexander Lacazette has never missed a penalty in an Arsenal shirt, and that's quite interesting. I know uh, since Aubameyang's been there, he's not always been the number one penalty taker, but he's taken a fair few and uh, he's always uh, always converted. So fair play to Alexander Lacazette. And that came about after Ainsley Maitland-Niles was brought down. But when talking about Lacazette's game in general, in comparison to that of Aubameyang, I just find him to be so much more involved in the build-up. And although you could make the case that says, and the argument that says that Lacazette isn't as clinical necessarily as we need to be um, or as we need him to be, I should say. He is just always in the right position. He's always getting opportunities, creating opportunities for others. And he just brings more to the to the table as a centre forward overall than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does. And I feel like and again, this is not a conclusion being made based uh, purely on pre-season. It's something that we talked about at the back end of last season. I do feel like Arsenal are kind of uh, moving away uh, from, from Aubameyang in terms of what it is we want to do and what his skill set provides. So I am a little bit worried about that. But equally, Aubameyang and Lacazette are still, for me, miles away from what else we have in terms of centre forwards. So unless you're going to go out and bring one in um, and unless you're going to break the bank to bring a really good one in, then I think that we we kind of got to accept that they're going to be our centre forwards this season. And we've got to maybe find a way of getting a little bit more out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, whether that be uh, making a tweak tactically, whether it be him having to adapt his game himself, because Arsenal with Aubameyang firing on all cylinders are a much better side. There's no doubt about that. But I do worry that Arsenal as a team, tactically, in terms of their evolution, are going one way and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is, is going the other. And it feels like a breakup that is kind of around the corner, like a relationship that isn't working anymore, but nobody wants to say goodbye. It, it's starting to feel a little bit like that for me. And look, my mind might be changed. And as I said, preseason opinions, they should be disposable. But let's uh, let's see how that pans out over the course of the season. But it is a concern of mine for sure. Uh, moving on to Arsenal's third goal. It was scored by Kieran Tierney. He smashed home from close range after a cross into the penalty area from uh, Emil Smith-Rowe from the right-hand side. And interestingly about Tierney, look, he couldn't miss. Look, we're not going to sort of wax lyrical about the goal. I must say, um, somebody had, had told me that 
Kiarantini scored a volley with his right foot. And I went, wow, can't wait to see that. But it was from about like a yard out. So <laughs> it was nothing special. But interestingly, and I don't know if a lot of you saw this, if you haven't seen the game, you might not have seen this in the highlights. I don't think it was in Arsenal's official highlights, but Kiarantini got involved in a little bit of a scrap with uh, with one of the Watford players. And Mikel Arteta had to get involved to kind of break it up and calm Kiarantini down. And that just sums up Kiarantini, doesn't it? Pre-season, no stakes, not an important game in, in terms of what it means. But something really incensed him, something really wound him up. And it's just further evidence that Kiarantini does go 100%, you know, in any game. He goes out on the pitch, he's brilliant, he gives it his all. And uh, that competitive edge from Kiarantini just shining through there, even in a preseason friendly. And I know the the Arsenal fans that are big on Kiarantini will, will love that, won't they? Because it's kind of a throwback to the old school. And that's what Kiarantini's been, hasn't he, since he's arrived? He's been a bit of a throwback um, and a bit of a breath of fresh air in terms of his character. Because we, as fans, have complained and moaned and sort of banged on about the fact that we've had very few players of that ilk in recent seasons. So it's great to see uh, somebody bringing that to the table. And then, of course, Arsenal scored their fourth on the 85th minute, and it was the young Miguel Aziz, just 18 years old, curling one left-footed into the far corner from the edge of the penalty area. Really good finish from Aziz. And, you know, he looks a real player, doesn't he? And I, the thing with Aziz is that opportunities for him are going to be few and far between. Because without that European football, uh, without, you know, those extra games that come off the back of that, it feels like, you know, it's going to be difficult for Mikel Arteta to give some of these youngsters the sufficient minutes in order, as I said, with Enketia to, to continue their development. But the important thing is, as a player of that age, that when you do get your opportunity, albeit in a pre-season friendly behind closed doors, you have to take that opportunity. And Miguel Aziz did that, didn't he? Because he scored a brilliant goal and I thought he played quite well uh, other than that as well. Just want to quickly touch on Albert Lekonga as well. Um, another good performance from Albert Lekonga, I thought, uh, in what we saw of him. I think he's very... Um, progressive in his passing, which is something we've been missing from that double midfield pivot, I would argue. Um, very brave in the way he plays the game in the sense of, you know, you get a lot of midfielders who are tasked with playing in that slightly deeper role and they don't want to take risks with their passing. They don't really want to progress the ball from fear of losing it in a dangerous area. But Lokonga seems to have so much self-belief and confidence that he is going to do that anyway. And that's really, really encouraging to see. Um, it's got to be managed in the right way. And, um, you know, again, as I've said time and time again, I don't have massive expectations of Albert Lokonga this season in terms of how often he'll start. But, um, you know, what I've seen of him so far, I really, really like. And I'm now kind of starting to understand and get into grips with why it is that he was given such a big responsibility, a captain of Anderlecht. You know, Anderlecht are a big football club and he was given the captaincy, just 21 years old. That that really says a lot about the man, I think, and the fact that, or the young man, I should say, and the fact that he's come and has looked so confident is kind of making us realise and understand maybe why uh, he was given such a big responsibility at such a young age. 
let's uh, quickly remind you guys uh, that this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, be sure to head over to Manscaped.com. Uh, check out the Luma 4.0. It's brilliant. It does the job. It'll have it looking sharp, trim. You can even do shapes if you want. It's that sharp and that good quality, the razor. But it also has anti-cutting technology. So with the lockdown restrictions easing, you never know that date you've got coming up next week. It might go better than you planned, in which case, get involved, get a Manscaped. You will not be disappointed. Thank you to Manscaped for their very, very kind sponsorship. And if you do head over to their website, which you can find in the link in the description, you will be able to use our discount code, which is 90min20, and receive 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. You'd be silly not to take advantage of such a good offer. Thank you to Manscaped, as I say, for their very, very kind sponsorship. Check out the website. It's in the description. And uh, if you do take the plunge, if you do uh, make an investment, let me know how it goes. <laughs> right. Uh, also, just another quick message before we continue the chat. Uh, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everybody who has voted for us so far um, in the Football Content Awards. We're up for uh, Best Club Creator. Uh, that's what you guys have been voting for us. And I'm honestly so humbled and, and thankful for all the votes we've had so far. And you can vote in one of two ways. You can either tweet uh, the sentence that is running across the bottom of the screen at the moment, uh, which I'll just read out to you guys. Uh, it's when the screen hurries up and moves along because I can never remember it off the top of my heart. Uh, the sentence is, I am voting for at Chronicles underscore AFC in at the underscore FCAs for hashtag best club creator. You need to tweet that and uh, you'll be voting for us in doing so. Alternatively, if you prefer, you can just click on the link in the description. It will take you to the voting page. Go to the best club creator section, type in the Chronicles of Aguna. You don't have to fill in the entire form and then just scroll down to the bottom of the page and uh, submit. Um, as I said, we weren't really sort of going to do this. We weren't really going to ask for the votes. And, you know, I've kind of done it before with a previous podcast and it was a great experience. But for me, What's more important is is seeing you guys in the chat box and seeing you guys in the comments and knowing that you guys are watching and listening to the shows. But seeing as we've got quite a few votes, which I'm, as I say, absolutely chuffed by, uh, it would be great if you could help us boost that up a little bit by voting, uh, following the instructions below. All right, let's get back to the Arsenal chat. Get your questions in the chat box. We'll pick up as many of those as we possibly can between now and the end of the show. We are currently on 43 likes. However, there are over 200 of you watching this, this show live right now uh, on YouTube alone. So if you wouldn't mind hitting that like button, I'd be extremely grateful. It really, really helps the channel. It pushes the video out to more people. Subscribe if you're new, of course. Uh, we're approaching 14,500 subscribers on YouTube alone. And uh, if you want to go one further by becoming a member of the channel, and supporting us to bring you some more content, you can do so by uh, clicking on the link in the description. It says, click here to join. Give it a click. Check it out. Have a look at the proposition and decide for yourself. Uh, Josh Hunter says, do you think Aziz will play in cup games? Uh, possibly. Possibly. I think it will be dependent on who we face in the cups. 
Uh, I think that obviously without European football, there might be a greater emphasis on, on the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. And I think Mikel Arteta will probably see those competitions as an opportunity to potentially reduce some of the pressure on him. You know, Arsenal... For, you know, everybody wants to see Arsenal get back in the top four. But I think the realists among us understand that that's going to be a really difficult task. And so if we see progress, i.e. Arsenal finish in the top six and win a cup, I think the pressure on Mikel Arteta probably relieves it, is, is relieved a little bit. And I think how we're doing in the Premier League will determine what kind of side Arteta goes with in the cups. And I wonder if, um, if uh, you know, if somebody like Aziz will be given the opportunities. Look, I think the problem Aziz has at the moment is there's quite a few players ahead of him still. And without that Europa League stuff, without the opportunity to play, what, six group games, and even the first knockout stage, which you can normally coast through with an understrength side, it's it's tough, isn't it? It's tough to give him the game time. But I think he'll feature in the cup games will probably be my answer to that. Whether he'll be uh, a starter, though, I think remains to be seen. And look, as I said, he, when the opportunities come, he's got to take them. And he took one yesterday and he's got to continue to do that, not just sort of in preseason friendlies, but on the training ground day in, day out. And uh, only then uh, will Mikel Arteta put his trust in him. But you can tell by the fact that he's been involved in preseason quite heavily that there is uh, there is some hope there for Miguel Aziz, and he is a player that hasn't been completely shut out by the manager, but he still has a long way to go before he'll be starting games at a competitive level for Arsenal, in my opinion. Uh, Said Abdullah says, uh, would you take Erdegaard on loan? Um, yeah, I guess I would because I like the player and I like what he brought to Arsenal in the second half of last season. I saw glimpses and bits and pieces that suggest to me that this is a player who can go, he's only going to get better with more games, more game time when he adapts more to the Premier League. So I really like Martin Odegaard. And look, I think that bringing him in is a good move. I think it's a no-brainer. But we'll talk about this a little bit more on, on the transfer show that we're going to do a little bit later on. But in answer to your question... Yeah, look, why wouldn't I take him on loan? I just want him to come back to the club because looking around at the alternatives and the big one that's being obviously spoken about is James Madison. I'm not sure that we can afford that. And I'm not sure that we should be looking to spend 70 odd million on James Madison. So if we could get Odegaard in for another season, essentially for a, a, a nominal loan fee, then then why wouldn't you? Uh, let's take this one from... Uh, peanut butter jelly time. He's talking about the AFC bell, obviously a big account on Twitter. Um, talking about James Madison. I've not even read their report today on James Madison, but I've seen a lot of people on social media saying that it's nothing different to what we already know. Um, and, and peanut is <laughs> peanut. It feels weird saying that when he's just screening, but he says, uh, this is the same guy who said Madison will get the number 10 shirt. If he joined, I'm not for a second saying that the AFC bell are no good. Like, I know they've got things right in the past, um, but that you're right to to highlight that point about the number 10 shirt. Obviously, that's gone to Emil Smith-Rowe, so that can't be true. Uh, but yeah, look, the interest is there because Arsenal like James Madison. A lot of clubs like James Madison, but that interest means nothing if the club are not willing to spend 70-odd million pounds that we think it's going to take for Leicester to say, OK, 
he can go. So for me, I'm not getting caught up in this Madison stuff anymore. I've fallen into that trap already this summer. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna leave it there uh, until something comes out that maybe suggests otherwise. Uh, Rory, one of our members, how you doing, Rory? He says, do you think Ben White could play in the middle for us if we don't sign anyone? I think he can do that role. I think it is a possibility, but I don't think that Mikel Arteta has him earmarked for that role, if I'm honest. It's weird because at the start of the transfer window, I was like, centre-back is not really a priority. I obviously envisaged William Saliba coming back, but I've always expressed doubts about William Saliba. I think I'm one of the few people that has always been a bit like, well, I'm not going to get outraged about this because I don't know if he can cut it at this level. I don't know all that much about him. But once that was clear that William Saliba was not going to stay at the club. And then you you think about the fact that we'd lost David Luiz as well, which I think in a lot of people's minds had kind of been pushed to the back and pushed to the side and like deemed insignificant. But David Luiz was a starting centre-half for Arsenal last season whenever he was fit and a, a very good one. I would say Arsenal's best one over the course of the season. So the need to bring in a centre-back, having lost David Luiz and having made that decision on William Saliba actually became... Uh, you know, quite a big need. And I don't think that we realised maybe as fans at that point that it was that significant. And and because of that, Rory, I know I've gone around the houses a little bit, but because of that, I do believe that Ben White has been brought into play at centre-back. I think that we we probably were worried about the ability to progress the ball out of the back line, especially with David Luiz gone. I don't think Rob Holding does that well enough. I don't think Gabriel does that well enough. I don't think Pablo Marie does either. And so I think there was a need to bring in that kind of centre-back, a centre-back of that profile. And I think that Arsenal saw that as a, as a, a big need and a, and a big thing that needed addressing, hence why they've spent £50 million on that. Now, I don't think that White will play in the midfield, but of course he does give us that option. But as I say, I think he's been brought in with a view to him making that position at centre-back his own. And I think probably that his long-term partner would be uh, Gabriel moving forward. Uh, Melon Scam says, question, are you worried that we could see Oba decline further and possibly to the point of no return if he isn't starting games? And would you start him with visibly better options currently available? It's interesting, the Oba stuff, because as I've said, I do think that it is kind of a natural um, distancing between the club and Mikel Arteta, the manager, the philosophy, what he wants to do, and, and, and Aubameyang kind of as he gets a little bit older and a little bit and his playing style slightly changes. I think that there is a a drift and there is now a distance between what Mikel Arteta wants from his centre forward and what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang can actually provide. He's still a goal scorer though. You know, he's still, despite people talking about him having his worst ever season last season, managed to hit, I think it was 15, 16 goals, which is off the top of my head, which is very respectable. And I still think he has something to offer and I still think he's a really good asset to the squad. However, um, you know, I do think that he is in decline. I think most players, when they get to sort of 32 years old, would start to hit that point. Um, but I still think he has something to offer. I still think he's part of the squad. And I still think that Mikel Arteta will probably rotate, depending on the opponent, depending on the game, between him and Lacazette in that centre-forward role. Does that mean Aubameyang completely dropping out the side, though? Or does that mean him being shoehorned into that position on the left? That is what remains to be seen. Uh, let's pick out some more questions. 
Uh, Ron Wolf says, hi, Harry. According to you, how long is it going to take Edu and Arteta to build a squad in their image, considering the mess left behind by the old management for over a decade? It's going to take a couple of seasons, I think. Um, last season was Arteta and Edu's first full, or Arteta's, sorry, first full season in charge of the club. And I think that obviously comes with challenges. I think you can rebuild a team in your image a lot quicker if you've got a sugar daddy financing it, bankrolling it, giving you in excess of 200 million pounds to spend in a summer window without really desperately needing to recuperate money from sales. With Arsenal, a lot of the rebuild is dependent on sales. Not all of it, because clearly we've we've not sold anybody really for significant money yet. Yet we're about to sign Ben White. That's done from what we've been told. So it's not all contingent on Arsenal selling, but a lot of Arsenal's rebuild is contingent on selling because of the model under which the club operates. And as a result of that, it's going to take that little bit longer and we have to be patient. It feels to me like we are, we've embarked on a project under Mikel Arteta and whilst we're nowhere near our final destination or our intended destination, we are quite a way down the road. And so to sack him tomorrow and say, he's not good enough, get rid of him and then start again, would just feel like taking two steps back when you haven't even really given yourself a chance yet. So I do think this season we have to see improvement. I think under normal circumstances, I'd even say a second full season is is probably needed for Mikel Arteta with, without much pressure so that he can uh, continue the development of the side. But this is Arsenal Football Club. This is not your average Joe Football Club. This is not a mid-table Premier League club for whom there are very low expectations. This is one of the biggest clubs, not just in England, but in Europe, in world football. And Arsenal need to be sitting at the top table when it comes to the Premier League and when it comes to the Champions League. And and so, you know, in answer to the question, I think it probably takes a couple of full seasons. But will he be afforded that time? I don't think he will. And I don't think he should because taking a job like Arsenal means pressure. Um, and you've got to be able to deal with that pressure. You've also got to be able to um, to make strides quickly. And I'm not sure that we've made enough just yet for him to be uh, afforded kind of a, a free hit of a season again. Uh, big hello to um, Ayoku, who joins us from Manitoba in Canada. He says, what do you think will happen? with Martinelli this season. I think he's going to play a much more significant role, but I still expect it to be largely as a substitute. But yeah, really looking forward to seeing how Martinelli uh, does uh, does improve um, and continue his development for sure. Uh, John Wayne says, assuming we do have an interest in Lautaro Martinez, wouldn't it be smarter to offer one of Laka and Oba? Or does that make too much sense? Probably does make too much sense. But there is talk, isn't there, that... Um, that Hector Bellerin could be included in any potential deal for Lautaro Martinez. But Hector Bellerin's agent uh, has flown into London and is scheduled to meet with Edu today to discuss Bellerin's future because, of course, there's a little bit of a stalemate there uh, with regards to what Arsenal are wanting to let him go um, and what clubs are willing to do in order to bring him to their place. We know that Bellerin wants to go, but nothing's really moving at the moment. And the fact for me that he played yesterday... Uh, really kind of emphasises that point that actually, despite some reports saying that a move to Inter is really close, well, no, it's not because he's still playing football for Arsenal. And surely if there was a deal in the pipeline, you wouldn't be taking those risks. 
so yeah um it would make sense to offer one of those but you know i, I as i said before i think the chances of lautaro coming are, are, are very small and um you know I, i'm trying not to get carried away by this one uh, i'm really not but as i say we're going to talk a little bit more about transfers in that well a little bit more the whole show is going to be dedicated to transfers uh, the show that we do later on. And we're going to be bringing you a third live stream today as well. Um, and that will be available on podcast format first thing tomorrow morning. I'll be joined by Metro Sports' Mike Stavrou to have a conversation about all things Arsenal, the transfer window, the preseason game so far. So we'll be kind of uh, taking stock of where Arsenal are currently at. Uh, let me pick out, I think I'm going to take one more. Uh, from JG, who says, do you think Pepe, Oba and Saka should be our front three this season? Yeah. Um, oh, no, wait. I say, yeah. Um, if Emil Smith-Rowe is the number 10 as well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, it's hard for me to say that Lacazette shouldn't be in the starting eleven right now, because as I've said already in this show, I think he brings more as a centre forward. I also think Lacazette gets more out of Saka and Pepe around him and Smith-Rowe because his link-up plays better. This is going to be maybe unpopular in some quarters. This is going to be something that I'm sure if Pierre and Marika Bamiang were to hear it, he'd probably disagree. And I'm not sure that Mikel Arteta has the minerals, if you like, to do this. But my front three would probably be Pepe, Saka and Lacazette right now with Emil Smith-Rowe playing just off of them. That's my view, though. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one. Right. Uh, we are going to leave it there in terms of this live stream. Uh, don't worry, we'll be back later on. Uh, we'll be back twice and we're going to take all your questions. Uh, then we'll spend a little bit more time on the question section. You can see at the moment there are over 300 of you currently tuned in, but there's only 80 likes on YouTube. Surely we can get that final 20 and get over the 100 mark. Uh, between now and the outro playing. So if you haven't done so already, please do that. Click the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new, check out manscaped.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you give us a vote in the Football Content Awards. The instructions are in the description below. Click on that link, type the Chronicles of Aguna in on the Best Club Creator um, category, scroll down to the bottom, submit it, or alternatively, you can tweet the sentence, making sure you tag in the people uh, that are listed below. Um, and that also registers a vote. Right, I'll catch you all very, very soon with some more Arsenal chat. Until then, take care of yourselves and enjoy your Thursday. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.